Good morning. That was horrible. There's like more than seven people here. Good morning. Um, thank you. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but we kind of like things a little bit loud around here. So um, anyway, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We maybe sometimes are too reserved in the house of God, and I don't think heaven's going to be like, shh, can you keep it down? Um, we're trying to just look at Jesus today. If you could just, you know, don't raise your hands. It's a little charismatic. We don't do that. And, you know, don't, I don't, I don't think heaven's going to be like that. If that's the heaven you're going to, you go there and I'm going to go to the one <laughs> that Jesus is in. Because um, we're going to worship there and it's going to be loud there. And you're like, how do you know that? Well, because you ever seen like the Old Testament at all? Well, they're always like blowing trumpets and yelling. That's like what they do there. Um, and um, I just feel like, you know, maybe if that's God's people, then we should reflect God's people if we are God's people. And they're kind of a loud people. So we like it a little bit loud around here. Um, if you don't like that, um, sorry, love you. Um, no harm, no foul. Um, but um, we just we believe that there's a God worth worshiping today. And, um, man, I don't, I don't know if I can hold back, um, and I'm not going to try for anybody. Um, but this morning, we're going to be in Luke 22, so if you have your Bible, you can kind of head that way. Um, man, I just love talking about these last, uh, we've been kind of the last few weeks, last 24 hours of Jesus' life, and we started a series, I think three weeks ago now, which seems like a really long time, but I don't guess it has been, but um, about the last maybe week of Jesus' life, and really what that boils down to is uh, I talked about um, about seven days out like the one day, and then we fast-forwarded to like the last 24 hours of Jesus' life for the, for the last couple of weeks. But we're coming up on a, a couple important days. Um, Good Friday is one of those. Um, that was an amazing pity yell of that. Um, Good Friday's coming up, and um, I'm just really excited about that. I don't know if you guys are or not. Um, it's fine. Uh, I'm okay with being excited by myself if I have to be, but Man, I'm just so excited about that event and what God does through that event every single year. And, um, man, it's just so good to go be in the middle of our city and just lift up the name of Jesus without walls. Like, isn't that cool? We, we don't have to come and huddle in the dark together. We can just go out into the middle of the city um, and, and, and just send out this beacon of Jesus kind of through the— it's crazy how it rattles through downtown, and you can even hear it at Market Square, which is amazing to me because it ain't close. But, man, Jesus— um, his name's going to be heard, and um, there's going to be people that are not church people, and I love that, that are going to be there and come around that and walk through that and set through a song or two, and, and that's kind of the environment we're trying to build in that place, not necessarily come set through the whole thing, although that would be awesome, but man, we're just going to talk about Jesus for as long as they'll let us. We're going to sing about him. We're going to talk about him. We're going to sing some more. We're going to talk some more. And then at the end of that, we're going to trust that God's doing a thing. And uh, if you want to be involved in that, there's like a thousand ways you can be involved in that. But I'm going to give you a couple. One is you can sign up to, to be involved in that. And that's, I know it's radical. Um, but um, you can actually show up and do something, uh, which is amazing to me. I think Jesus serves people, so Jesus' people should also then serve people. It's like a biblical idea somewhere. I don't know where it comes from. Just kidding. We talked about it last week. But um, we should serve people, and, and if you want to be involved in that, there's places you can do that and things you can do, and I think there was a table out front kind of at the beginning, and it'll be there the next few weeks, and you just sign up. It's not hard. You don't have to, you know, go to boot camp or anything like that. You just show up and do the thing, and we're going to show you what that thing is maybe one day before that. The other way is you can be praying for it. 
Thank you, three people. Wow, that's, that's awesome. I can tell God's going to do a lot because as people pray, <laughs> all three of us, um, no, you can be praying for that. That was six people. That's a little better. We'll get there. I'm just keep saying it till I get a couple more amens. We're, you can pray for that. Um, because here's the reality today. Um, prayer is a powerful thing. Right? Like more than anything else, if we'll just pave the way with prayer, I believe God will do a thing. And if you today start and you just set your stakes down and say, you know what, I'm going to pray for this thing because I believe that our God is still the God who saves people. And we don't have to be church people or people that have all our act together. We can just be people walking by and the Holy Spirit can grab a hold of that and do a thing with that. And I believe that. And I believe that's going to happen. And I'm praying for that. And I want you to join me and pray for that. But the last part of that is you can take one of those cards. This is not that card. It's just a card. <laughs> You can take one of those cards and you can invite people to that event. So, A, we want you to be there, but we want you to bring people with you. And this is not your average bring a church people event. Um, Like, you can bring church people if you want, but we're trying to see God, like, save the city. And if they're already saved, then they need to be, like, getting people to come that are not, and so do you. So this is the thing that you can invite your lost friends to because you're not saying, hey, come sit in a building in the dark and hear about Jesus. You're saying, you want to go to the park? go park there's a cool little concert they're going to talk about Jesus I know that's probably not your thing but maybe just go and if you don't like it we can leave if it's too cold we can leave right we can do the thing but but if you'll just invest in 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 those ways with us man wouldn't it be amazing to see what God does and in the back side of that you got to be part of what God did and um, that's amazing to me so that's coming up and then um, Easter is coming up which is that's, that's kind of cool. Jesus rose from the grave. We should probably do more than golf clap that. But that's fine. You're like, oh, yay, Jesus. No, like, um, <laughs> we're going to celebrate the day that Jesus come up out of the grave. Um, and that's an amazing thing. And, um, again, we're, we're making space because we're about making space in this place because we, we, we can't do anything. We don't own the secret today. But what we know is God knows what he's doing. And if we'll just make room, God will do a thing, right? It's that build it, they will come mentality. I think that was some movie a couple years ago. But um, we're going to have two gatherings that morning. And if you want to come to both, then awesome. It's Easter, extra church, you know. But if you don't um, and you do something with your family later on, there's a nine. If you're the Easter basketers, then there's an 11. Um, and we're making space. But, you know, like, wouldn't it be great if seven of us come to the first one and everybody come to the second one? Because that's what we're doing it for, right? We're making space. So this is an event for you guys to say to, to your family and people around you, hey, why don't you just come with me this one Sunday. I'll leave you alone the rest of the year, and then we'll try to get next Easter. Just come with me this one time, and let's just talk about what God's going to do. And here's the thing. If we would all get on board with what God's going to do, what would God do? Amen. We'll never know till we try, right? So let's just pray towards that. Invite towards that. You're going to get some of these at the end, right, at the door. And if you want 150 or whatever, you take 150. Please don't deposit them in the trash can on the way by. Um, But you take some and you just do what you need to do. Um, Maybe even now pray, God, who would you have me to put these in the hands of? And who are you going to change their life through these moments? because, man, that's, that's the God that we serve. But anyway, that's a couple plugs um, shamelessly this morning. And now we're going to be in Luke 22, continuing on this series, Jesus Went, about the last uh, week, which now is the last 24 hours, or actually the last 12 hours of Jesus' life. 
at this point in the story in, in, in Luke and the other Gospels, um, Jesus had already done kind of a lot of amazing things. He's already left heaven. Um, <laughs> it's like Luke 2, so we're several chapters past that. Came to earth. He's grown up, lived a perfect life, done a lot of miracles. And in the last week of his life, we saw that he entered the city on a baby donkey, which is cool as to say, I'm the king you're looking for, but I'm not doing the thing you're looking for. He was in the city several days being examined um, by the people. He was teaching and, and, and just showing that he is that perfect lamb that they're looking for, that Passover lamb that was talked about just hundreds of years before this event. And then in these moments, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's already washed the disciples' feet like we talked about last week. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows exactly what that's going to look like and how that's going to go down. And if you're trying to escape that, you're probably not sitting in the city around the dinner table just hanging out with your friends, right? Like you're trying to get out of there. But Jesus is not trying to get away from the cross. He's trying to get to the cross. And there's some things that have to happen before that. So he sits down and he eats dinner with the disciples. What we would know is the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper, whichever one you kind of call it or were raised around and he changes a couple symbols he says this is the blood of the new covenant he gives him this new cup and then he takes this bread and he rips it apart and he says this is my body which is broken for you obviously talking about him going to the cross i'm about to be killed in front of the whole world for the whole world and at the end of that dinner, after kind of changing a couple symbols and giving it the meaning, right, that it's intended to have, this was a, a dinner that was pointing for hundreds of years towards Christ, and now Christ is here, and he's like, let me sit down and tell you why God did this. He sits down, and he begins just to teach a little bit more to these disciples, and he gets to what we're going to talk about this morning, which is this part of Peter's denial that's predicted. It's in verse 31. He says to him, Simon, Simon. Now, if you're new to the game, it says Peter's denial is predicted, and he starts out addressing a guy named Simon. This is the same character. Simon's, Peter's birth name is Simon. Jesus changed his name as he started following him to Peter. And Peter is a name that means the rock or a rock. And he addresses him, most of kind of the ministry that he has with him, he addresses him by this name Peter. And here in these moments in verse 31, he goes back to his original name and he says, Simon, Simon. Now, there's a reason Jesus does everything that Jesus, he didn't just have like a, a, a slip here where he's like, oh yeah, I forgot, I call you Peter now. Um, there's a reason that he calls him Simon, and I think it's a, probably a couple things, but one is Peter means rock. And looking to the future, that's what Peter will be. He'll be a rock in the church. He'll be a solid witness. He actually will even, um, even give his life for the cause of Christ. But in these moments, he is not yet that rock. He's actually about to go through a moment where he's about to be very much the opposite of that solidity. He's about to be something completely different. And, and, and Jesus is just maybe letting us in on that. This is not going to be your best moments. These are not going to be your most solid moments. Peter has a lot of solid moments. If you know anything about Peter, he's the first one who professes Jesus to be the Messiah. Jesus, who do you, who do you say that I am? What's Peter say? Well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And everybody else like, yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but you did, man. You, go you. Like, he was okay with that. But this is also the Peter that, that Jesus says to one time, get behind me, Satan. Peter has a lot of really solid moments, and Peter also has a lot of really not solid moments. And I love that about Peter, because at no point in time did Jesus ever say, hey, you know what, you should just probably get out of here. 
You're not doing what I thought you were going to do. You're not who I thought you were going to be. I thought you were going to get it together and have it together, and you were never going to fail again. You were never going to falter again. I, I even named you something solid. I thought that was who you are. Jesus knows it's coming, but he also knows it's not here yet. And if there's hope for Peter, Simon, that he can still be in the story. Maybe there's hope for me that I can still be in the story today. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Simon, Simon, this is not going to be your best moment. This is not going to be like your strongest Christian faith story right here. You're about to screw it up is what he's saying. But it doesn't affect what I'm about to say to you or do through you. Also, in the God does something, and he says a name two times. A Hebrew would recognize that as a sign of affection, this grace or favor that God has. He uses it in Exodus when he says uh, to Moses, 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 there's this affection as God's calling out in these moments. We read this a lot of times, and if we've kind of skipped ahead, maybe we know that there's some bad stuff that's kind of coming, and we, we kind of like to put a little bit of anger in the voice of Jesus. And what we know through this is that, that when God doubles a name, he's, he's being affectionate. Simon, Simon, you're not solid, you're not the rock, you're about to screw up, but in no way does it affect how I feel about you. I still love you. What I'm about to tell you doesn't change the fact that I love you. What what you're about to do doesn't change the fact that I love you. I want you to know at the beginning of this verse, when I say your name, I love you. You're going to screw it up, and I love you. You're going to mess up, and it doesn't change anything about how I feel about you. Simon, Simon, I love you. Before we get started, there's some affection going on here. He says, Simon, Simon, and then he warns him. He says, look out. This is not the moment that he ducks because there's like a tree swinging, right? He's, he's warning him about what's to come. Look out. You need to be aware. You need to have your eyes open. You need to be alert. You need to know this is coming down the pike. He says, look out. And then he says, here's why. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Here's what you're watching out for. Satan, the enemy, right? We read that word and we think little red God you know, horns, tail, no? Okay, that's what I think when I, because cartoons, thanks for that. Um, Satan is a very real enemy. I believe that. Just as much as I believe there is a God and there is a Jesus, I believe there is a Satan. There is an enemy that's that's roaming around, the Bible says. Peter writes about this (laughs) like a lion. And he's looking for something. He's looking for who he may devour. Peter knows this. He's about to experience this. Can I say that today without maybe you thinking I'm crazy or maybe you do think I'm crazy? There's an enemy out there. And he has a plan for your life. Just as much as God has a plan for your life, he has a plan for your life. And his plan for your life is not, you know, to, to just kind of baby you and coddle you. He's not for you. He is against you. And I've heard people make jokes like, I'm, man, they're going to kick me out of hell. No, they're inviting us into hell. There's an enemy that his plan for you is to separate you from God forever and send you into eternity, into that separation. And there's stuff that goes with that, right? Like burning, that doesn't sound fun. I don't talk about that a lot because that's not the giant consequence of hell. That's a side effect. The consequence is you're going to see the greatest love that there has ever been, and then you're going to be separated from that for all eternity. And that's not what God wants for you, but it is what Satan wants for you just like that's what he wants for them. 
And Jesus says Satan, and he's not crazy, so I'm just going to say it today. There is an enemy, and Jesus is pointing out that enemy. And he says, Satan, Peter, has desired or asked to sift you like wheat. I love that. Satan has asked. Isn't that good? Maybe not. (laughs) I think it is. Satan has asked. You know what I see in that? Satan has no real power. Not when it comes to God. Over me, yeah, he, he's a little bigger than me. He's a little more muscly than me. It's not hard. Some of you guys are as well. Um, but he's got power when it comes to me. Jesus points that out, right? He's this raving, roaring lion, seeking to be made devour. He's the prince and the power of the air, the atmospheric domain. That's where we are. He's, he's kind of over us. But he's not over God. Actually, he has to come to God and ask permission to do anything in God's creation. I think sometimes we get in our heads that there's this cosmic kind of arm wrestling match where God and Satan are up there and they're like pushing back and forth. And, you know, like we're just hoping that if we pray enough or ask enough or talk to God enough or read enough or come to church enough that God's going to get some extra muscle like pop out with the spinach and just slam the arm down. Maybe hoping that God will eke out a victory. That's not how it is. He, he couldn't touch God in an arm wrestling match, by the way. Satan has to come to God just like Job, and he has to ask anytime he's going to do anything because he, he has this illusion of authority, but he has no real authority. He's, he's actually under the authority of the one with all authority. So he looks at Peter and Simon here, and he says, Hey, I just want you to know um, Satan asked for this. He asked if he could sift you like wheat. Now, the you he's speaking of here, it's hard to kind of go with in the English language, but it's plural. I've always read this as Satan wants to kill Peter. No, Satan asked God for all the disciples. They're sitting around the table, and he addresses Peter, and he tells Peter to watch out. And he says, hey, I want to warn you about this thing. But then he looks at everybody, and he says, hey, I want you to know everybody today at the table. Everybody in the room. The Satan's plan isn't to take out Peter because he's going to be the rock. Satan's plan is to take out anybody and everybody in the room today who's trying to follow Jesus. He sat down in heaven and he asked God for all of you guys. And here's his plan. He wants to sift you like wheat. Now, this is a kind of process that we're missed out on because I don't know if there are any wheat sifters in the room, but I'm not a wheat sifter. But kind of the process is there's this pan thing, and you put everything in there. You grind it all up, wheat's in there. The chaff is what it's called, but it's like the stalk, the husk, all the other things. And what they do is they take it, and they like throw it up in the air, and they catch the wheat back in the pan, but the chaff, the lighter stuff, it just blows away. So if you shake it up enough and toss it up enough and sling it around enough, what you're left with is all wheat, no chaff. You get rid of all the nasty excess stuff that you don't actually want to eat. But the process, think about the process of this tossing, this, this uh, tumbling, this, this slinging, this throwing around. This is what Satan has asked to do to all these people sitting at the table. Satan's like, man, I just want to take them and I want to shake them up and I want to just mess with them. Can I just mess with them? Can I just throw them around? Can I sling them around? Can I chuck them into a wall a couple times? Like That's what I want to do to their life. I want to take their life and I want to shake it to such a way 
violently shake it in such a way that I can kind of try to destroy these guys. Can you imagine this conversation going on in heaven? You're like, no, God, he would smack that down, right? He would be like, no, you can't do that. Not to mine. Not to my people. So you think like, okay, Jesus is aware. God has been asked. It's going to work out. But look at what Jesus says. It says in 32, but I have prayed for you. I prayed for you. Now, if you get anybody to pray for you, like Jesus is the guy, right? Yeah. Think if there's a prayer getting through to heaven, like I'm confident Jesus can talk to God. <laughs> is God, right? I think that one is going to be heard. So as Peter, you're like, man, this is awesome. Jesus prayed for me. I just want you to know Romans 8 says Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for all of us. If anybody can get a prayer through, it's Jesus. And today, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, whispering in his ear, praying for us. It's Romans 8. Look it up. But he looks at Peter, and he says, I've, I've prayed for you, but look at what he says. That your faith may not fail. That your faith may not fail. Now you look at that, and, and maybe you can kind of step into the shoes of Peter today. Um, that's probably not really what he was hoping for. Jesus can get a prayer through, right? Jesus, got a question real quick, just while we're sitting here. Um, why didn't you just pray that he didn't shake us? Why don't you just ask God that you just take the pan away? You know, like... But that's not what he prayed. Actually, Jesus never even addressed the sifting in the prayer. His prayer was not, don't mess with them, leave them alone, get away from them, don't make them go through this, don't sift them. They were about to go through a sifting. They were going to watch Jesus die on the cross. This guy who is their best friend on the planet, who they left everything, family, jobs, everything to follow. Been following him for like three, three and a half years now. A lot of them can't go back to where they were. Like imagine Matthew going back to the tax collector office and being like, hey, just kidding. Can I just sit down start taking money from people again? Like that's not an option for him. They were about to watch Jesus die on the cross, this guy who they had seen walk on water, a guy who they had professed to be the Messiah, a guy who they'd seen heal the sick. They didn't think he was headed towards the cross. They thought he was headed towards the throne. And when they saw all this go down, there was going to be such a sifting, they were going to have to deal with, were we wrong? Is this God? If, if this is God, how can God die? If this is the Savior, how can a dead Savior help us? He was supposed to sit on a throne, not hang on a cross. They were going to go through these emotions. They were going to go through this hurt, and they were going to have to deal with, were we blaspheming? Not only maybe he wasn't the Messiah, but we have now proclaimed a God to be Messiah that is not probably the Messiah. Separation from your friend. Hopelessness, I don't know where I'm going. Doubt, this probably wasn't God. Fear, God's probably mad at me. 
and every other sort of emotion, they were about to go through a sifting. And in that, Jesus never prayed, God, just don't let them be sifted. But he looks at him and he says, hey, um, you're, you're going to be sifted. But my prayer for you is that your faith doesn't fail. That you don't run away. That you don't quit. That you don't stop. That you don't turn around and go back. That you, you don't quit and go back to the boats. That you don't quit and go back to the tax collector office. That you don't go grab the nets and go back to your old way of life. But you just keep pushing. My my. My prayer is when you go through all these things that you just keep pushing into all these things. Can I just say today, Satan's not very creative because this is his exact plan today. This is Satan's plan for anybody who would ever follow Jesus. I want to grab them and I want to shake them. I want to take them on the ride of their life. And the goal at the end of that is they'll say, just kidding. I don't need this Jesus guy. If he would let this happen, maybe he's not the son of God. If, if this is the plan of God, I don't really want the plan of God. He, he wants to today interject doubt and fear and hopelessness into the story of the people of God. He wants today to tear down every ounce of belief that we may possibly have so that at the end of the day, we walk away from the Jesus thing. How do you know that? I have watched people do it. Sometimes he does it by sifting our life and putting things in there that we would prefer not to go through. And sometimes he does it by giving us exactly what we want. Satan's fine with you being rich and healthy. If rich and healthy gets you out of the house of God. But if that doesn't work, you know what he'll do? He'll grab you by the leg and shake you and bang you up against a wall. And we look at that and we're like, well, God, why, why would you allow that to happen? God, why would you allow all these horrible things to happen? Because at the end of the day, wheat needs to be separated. And it doesn't matter who's doing the separating, does it? See, the, the, the truth of it is, he sets down at the table with God and he's like, hey, I want to I sift these guys. And God's like, you know, I've been thinking about sifting these guys. They, they need to be sifted. You know why? Because Simon Simon has to get to Peter Peter. Simon, this guy who used to fish all the time, has to get to this solid rock of faith in Christ. Why? Because Simon is not going to be good enough to do what God needs to get done on planet Earth. Because anytime crazy stuff happens, Simon's going back to the boat. How do you know that? I'm Simon about half the time. God, how could you let this happen? God, why would you do this? God, why? if this is what it's like, I'm gone. If we're honest, have we not all had conversations like that with God? Okay, let's turn it up to four. <laughs> because you need to know, Simon, God knows Peter's in there. He called him out of the boat. Hey, Peter, you want to come out here? I don't know who Peter is, but I'll come if you want me. Jesus saw what was in Simon before Simon ever could see what was in Simon. 
He says, bro, you're a rock. He's like, no, I'm a fisherman. No, there's something solid in you. Uh, I cuss sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but in there, there's something in you. Dude, I don't know. I'm just throwing out a net. No, I can see it. I'm going to make you a fisher, not of this, but of men. I can see it. Peter, you are. There's, there's something solid in you. And Simon's like, I don't know about none of that, but I'll come with you. And Jesus is like, okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. But the only way to get all the Simon out, where we're left with nothing but Peter, is for that shaking to happen. Satan thinks he's destroying something, and God's like, no, brother, you're building something. Shake it. Shake it. Take it. Turn it up. Shake him. Because I'm just using you to get where I want to be, right? There's a whole story about God using Satan to get where God wants to be. Satan's like, I don't want to serve you. I'm getting out of here. And God's like, yeah, it's fine. We'll see. We're not in some, arg- we're not in some wrestling match, brother. I know what's going on. You don't. So Jesus didn't pray, don't sift him, because the sifting needed to happen. He said, hey, there's going to be sifting, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to be a struggle. And, and I get like all that, and I have compassion for all that and sympathy for all that. But if we're ever going to get you from here to there, sifting is the process that gets you from there to there. We need to blow all the bad stuff, all the stuff that's not like me, all the filth, all, the, all those things. they got to blow out of your life so that what's in your life is, is the rock. So he looks at the father and he says, hey, I, I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to hurt. I'm even going to warn him. I'm going to tell him it's coming. But, but, but if you could just make sure they don't run. Make sure they don't run. They're going to arrest me in a few hours. This is, by the way, about 9 o'clock p.m. when Jesus was going to be crucified about 9 o'clock a.m. So we got about 12 hours until Jesus is nailed to a cross, and it's going to be a long night. There's going to be a lot of sifting that takes place in the next few hours. And it's not going to end in the next few hours because they're going to see Jesus killed and then they're going to see Jesus buried. And then they're going to have to wait a little while as Jesus lays in the tomb. And they're going to think God's plan was defeated. This is not God's plan. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what I've done. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't really know how to get into this. I don't know what's going on because my whole life just got flipped upside down. And Jesus said, you just got to wait three days. But man, if you fast forward in the Bible, we got all the Simon out. And he looks at him and he says, I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And then he says this, and you, now singular, and you, Peter, I'm talking to you, Simon, who doesn't have it all together, who I still love. Simon, Simon, who I have compassion for, even though this is about to be like the worst looking three hours or three days of your life. You're going to be a mess right here. I just want you to know you, who's going to deny me three times. You, who's going to be too busy moping and and hiding in a room to, to come to my funeral because you're not looking for a resurrection. You're looking for a way out. You, Simon, Simon, when you have turned back. Now, if you can turn back, it means there's going to be a turning away. When you come back. 
when you get it together, when you see that this is all the plan of God, when you see that every one of these hurts, every ounce of this fear, every ounce of this doubt, every ounce of I don't know what I can do, every ounce of my life just got turned upside down, when you see that all that's God's plan and then you turn back, do I have a job for you? You're going to use every ounce of that doubt in a story that builds my kingdom. You're going to use every moment of that fear in a story that builds my kingdom. This is not, this is not the plan of Satan. It's the plan of God. And I'm forging today something stronger in you. And you're going to mess it up. And you're not going to get it. And you're going to turn away. And you're going to run. And you're going to hide. And we're going to use every single bit of that here in a little bit. Just in a couple days. If you can just wait a couple days, I'm going to do something amazing in these moments. I just need you to hold on. And when you come back, I don't want you to waller around in self pity and act like God's done with you. God's not done with you. I know you're walking away. I'm not, I'm not hypnotized to that fact. I know you're leaving. I know you're going to struggle. And I have sympathy over that and grace over that and love over that and mercy over that. I've already covered that. I'm going to the cross in a few moments to take care of that. You don't have to worry about that. When you turn back, get to work. Do something. Because when you come back, you're coming back not as Simon, the doubter, denier. You're coming back as Peter, the rock. And I'm going to use you along with many other rocks to build up a holy house for myself called the people of God. Satan thinks he's doing something horrible in these moments and he's going to destroy you and you're going to turn away. He's not. He's kicking the bee's nest today. Because he's just a hand in the refining work that God is doing in our lives. If God has a people that are ever going to do anything, he needs a people that are going through fire. If God has a people that are ever going to do anything, he needs a people who have walked through the water. He needs a people who have been backed up against the shoreline with the sea behind them and the army coming who have turned around to say, that's fine. I have a God who's going to part the sea. I don't need a God to squash the army. I have a God who's going to open up a door in the ocean. So you just watch what this God can do. You took Simon. I just say we've all been Simon. Maybe some of us today are Simon. Maybe some of us are going through the sifting right now, and we're like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And Jesus is praying, just hold on, just hold on, just hold on, just hold on. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make sense in a minute. Just hold on. This is how I'm getting you in the position that I can do something amazing in and through your life. Just Hold on. So I want to speak today to those of us going through the fire. God's burning away all that stuff that doesn't look like Him. And it's hard when you're in the middle of the fire. It's hard when you're in the middle of the fire to say, you know what, God, even if you don't, I'm not going to bow to anything else. Even if you don't, 
I'm never leaving. I'm never walking away. This is the only way. What do you say to the disciples? Where, are you going to leave too? What they say? Where else would we go? Your words are the words that give life. And if you're in the fire today and the struggle today and doubts coming at you and fears coming at you and you don't understand why everything's getting shaken up, can I just say today, I don't know the plan of God because I'm not God, but I know God always has a plan. And he's working something in you today that if you'll just hang on, man, you're going to be used in the story of God in such an amazing way. Can I just say that over you today? I believe that today. We're going to walk through fire if we're ever going to be useful to God. There is a purification that has to happen. Our lives are going to be tossed around and turned upside down if we're ever going to be useful to God. That's something that has to happen. I'm not ready right now for what God wants to do, but he's trying to get me there. I'm not the guy today that I need to be in the kingdom of God, and neither are you, but he's trying to get me there. And it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. But God is not wasting one ounce of hurt. And Jesus is praying over you today. I just want you to hear what he's saying. God, don't let them give up before I'm done. Don't let them quit before I get them where they need to be. God, you just take their hands and you super glue them today to the cross. Make sure they cling to the cross. Don't let them leave. I know it hurts, and I did everything I could to take every ounce of hurt that I could on the cross, but this is necessary today to build a people that are the people of God. So I'm not asking you to put out the fire today. I'm just asking, God, that you put me in the fire and we're going to walk out together. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You make me to lay down in the green pastures and you're leading me to the still waters. I'm made for what's on the other side of the fire. And you're going to get me there. So I just want to hold on today. And if I'm holding on to the tassel because I can't walk or I'm holding on to your hand because you're carrying me today, it doesn't matter to me. I just want to get there. But I want to speak today to the other side of that because I know in a room of people, there are people who have said, you know what, God, I don't want this. And maybe you don't even know why you're here today. Maybe you have given up and you have walked away. Can I just say, so did Simon. We're going to fast forward a few hours, and he's going to say out loud three times in a row, don't know him, don't know him, don't want him, get him away. I don't have anything to do with that man. I may look like I came with that man. I didn't come with that man. Before any of that happened, Jesus said, it doesn't change a thing about the way I feel about you. Simon, Simon, you are not who I want you to be today. And your next couple hours is going to look horrible on paper for you. But I want you to know it does not diminish today how I feel about you. I love you with everything in me. And I'm already waking away to cover everything you're about to do in grace. And I just have a message for you today, Simon. When you come back. Jesus didn't say you couldn't come back. He said, I'm opening the door in a few hours to the cross. You can come back. As they tear my flesh, they're tearing open the veil, and you can step in to the presence of God. You don't have to come in in fear and shame. You don't have to just sit in a chair and act like you're a second-class citizen of heaven today. You can come right on up the steps. I've got a job for you. 
And maybe we have walked away. And the story today is not, oh man, I've had it all together the whole time. The story is, you know what, I walked away from God, but I couldn't stay away. I could not stay away. I went the long way around. It took God a while to get me back into the stream of His grace. I tried everything other than Him. And I can say today, I've tried it all, and there's nothing like God. There's not one thing like God. I've tried everything for pleasure. I've tried everything for love. And there's not one thing that makes me feel like He has. So I want you to know today, here's my story. Here's my story. And God is so full of grace and so full of love today. And no matter where you are and no matter what the prayer is today, if the prayer is just, God, I need to hold on. God, I'm, I'm struggling. I don't, I don't get why this is going on. I don't, I don't get why this is happening. It's hard for me to trust you in these moments. It's hard for me to see that you have a plan. So God, I, I, maybe where I don't believe, if you could just help my unbelief today. And help me hold on to the cross of Christ. Maybe that's the prayer for you today. And maybe for some of us today, the prayer is harder. Maybe we have to come back in the door and say, you know what, God? I left. I I walked away. I, I gave up. It got too hard. I, just, I couldn't take it anymore. I doubted you. And I was shook to the place where I didn't know what was up and what was down, and I, and I got out of here. But God, you keep drawing me back. So today, God, I want to step back in, if that's okay. I want to come back under the mercy and the grace and the love of God. And I I want you to continue just whatever you got to do to get me from who I am to who you'd have me to be. Because I know, God, that you are weaving together today a story for your glory across the nations. And God, maybe my story is part of what rescues somebody out of their pit. So today, I just want to surrender that into your hands. In reality, this morning, I don't know everybody's prayer or even what we need to pray. But it says the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. So I don't think it's about the words today, right? And it says that Jesus is praying to the Father for us today. So maybe we just need to say anything that's in our heart today and let God take care of the translation. But what I know today is that God has a work for every person. And God is going to sift every person. Sometimes I think the harder the sifting, the bigger the work. The harder the shaking, the bigger the miracle. So God, today for all of us, just help us hold on. 
Help us hold on. Kind of say today, if there's anybody in the room that doesn't know Jesus, um, never given your life to him, maybe heard the story, but just never said, I want this. There's going to be a sifting if you step into it. And it's not always fun. But it is always worth it. See, the reality of it is the enemy, whether you give your life to Jesus or not, has a plan for your life. The difference is he's already winning if you haven't given your life to Jesus. Jesus made a way that that didn't have to be true for you. It says in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in our sins and trespasses, that we weren't bad, we weren't immoral, we were dead. And the reality about that is there's not anything a dead person can do to make their self not dead. It takes divine intervention for that. It says we were under the power of the enemy, and then there's this a big part that says we were headed towards the wrath of God. Apart from Jesus, that's my story, that's your story. But the amazing thing is, God didn't just leave the story there. He said, but God, who is rich in mercy, that's forgiveness, compassion, who's rich in mercy, made us alive, or maybe for you today, has the ability to make you alive through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and His death on the cross. Jesus died this morning so you don't have to. Jesus took the wrath of God for you today so you'd never have to experience that. And it doesn't take some fancy prayer where we have to like toss around all these thous and, and arts. It just takes honesty as we look at God and we say, I need you to save me. I've made a mess of my life. And I need you to save me. I've screwed everything up. And I need you to save me. Because if there is a God out there with such a great love, I need it. If there is a God out there that, that will forgive me for everything I've done, I, I need it. So God, I put my life in your hands. And I trust you. If you need to pray this morning, um, why don't we just come pray? It's a verse we read this morning that says, Cast all your cares on him. Because he cares for you. If you're going through the sifting today, you don't have to walk through it alone. If you're going through the fire today, you don't have to walk through it alone. God wants to walk through it with you. And today all you got to do is cast your cares in his direction. He hasn't quit caring about you. He hasn't stopped caring about you. He hasn't left you or forgot you. Word says we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother.
And this morning, all we need to do is bring our cares to his feet.